You're listening to the Various and Sundry Things podcast, the Vast podcast. I am your host, Donna Gay Tyler. Well, I've got a lot of things to talk about. Um, I'm calling this the thanks leftover Thanksgiving uh, episode. Hopefully, we all have thrown out um, all of our leftovers from Thanksgiving, and also hopefully, I'm you had a great one with family and friends and all the carbs that you could possibly desire. Um, I did. That's that's the highlight of Thanksgiving. It's not even the meat for me. Definitely the sides, the carbs, the macaroni and cheese, um, the dressing with the cranberries. You know what's so funny? I use I love cranberry sauce, first of all. And as a kid, like growing up, I only ate the canned, um, that jellied cranberry sauce. And I didn't know any different. Like that was all that um, we had, no matter whose house we went over or whether we were cooking at home, it was always that canned cranberry sauce. And I thought that was the bee's knees, honey. Like that was my stuff. Interestingly though, a couple of years ago, I uh, cooked for my mom one Thanksgiving and um, I ordered some stuff too from Whole Foods. This is back in Chicago. And part of the order included homemade cranberry sauce, like with the whole berries in it. And I was floored. I could not believe that that stuff was so good. And I was really appalled also because apparently I had been missing out on that um, my entire life. So I found a recipe and started making my own cranberry sauce. Now, I know some people don't like it. They, you know, they like the idea of cranberry sauce, the jelly, but they don't like cranberries because they're tart, but that's the nature of cranberries, right? But they're delicious. So anyway, I make my own um, cranberry sauce and now I've gotten real smart. I make it in the crock pot so that, you know, it takes a long, long time, but all the flavors meld together so well and it is so yummy. And I love those berries. So for me, it is not Thanksgiving, um, you can't have dressing without cranberry sauce. Like I'm not going to eat it. It's just, it's just not right. We're not doing it. It's, that's not what the Lord wants for me in these last and evil days. But again, I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving, enjoying all of the fun and food and all that kind of wonderful stuff. And again, hopefully we've gotten um, rid of all the leftovers. I'm not going to talk about what my family has done with the leftovers. Just suffice to say, we're not eating them. <laughs> We're still not eating them. We're not eating them. We're done eating them. But we, somebody needs to work on uh, cleaning out the refrigerator. Um, I'm not going to say who should, but um, hey, the other thing that I made that was really good, oh my God, banana pudding. And I got it from um, this, uh, what was the name of the website? It's, I think it's called Orchids and Sweet Tea or something like that. Um, I, I started following that um, account on Instagram. And it's really, really good. Um, the account is like they've got um, a variety of recipes. I know it's an African American woman. I'm not sure what the um, account holder's uh, name is, but I know the name of the account is like Orchids and Sweet Tea. I had um, made some kind of Jamaican stew, chicken stew, um, a couple of months ago. I've only made it once because a lot of chopping and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not always, you know. Um, who Chef Boyardee? That's not a good um, analogy, but anyway, I don't always have time to do all of the chopping and the stuff and the stuff. I cooked last night, as a matter of fact, and I had to chop and all that kind of stuff. I know that's what cooking is all about, at least homemade cooking. It's not about heat and serve. You get that at Applebee's. Sorry, Applebee's, but yeah, I don't always have a lot of time 
or the inclination to do that. Like I like to, you know, try to batch cook for the week because, you know, I'm sure you're busy like me. It's it's just rough out here. Time consuming, but it's also healthier too to just cook your own food. You're in charge of all the ingredients. But anyway, that um, Instagram account posts some really delicious looking food and the, rep the recipes turn out very well. My banana pudding was really good. Like we ate all of that. There's no leftover banana pudding that was gone. Anyway, let's delve right in. Um, some of the topics that are on my list this week, we've been talking about for a couple of weeks and good God, I'd be glad when, they over, when they're over, particularly the runoff election in Atlanta between, and Georgia rather, between Herschel Walker and Reverend uh, Raphael Warnock. Um, I've seen a couple of uh, Warnock ads on Instagram and they are hilarious. Um, one of them, I think he's walking a dog and he's like, are we doing this again? Is you know, taking out the poop. You've probably seen that ad. Um, and something else, I can't remember the other uh, advertisement that I saw, but I'm like everybody else though. Like, come on, man. You know, like really, how is this even a choice? And I know I've talked about that at least three episodes now on this podcast for, for three episodes, I've talked about it. How is this even a choice? How, how is, you know, Herschel Walker even, you know, on the ballot? Like, you know, he's barely intelligible. You barely understand what he's saying. I'm sure by now too, you've seen the clip of him. He's being flanked by Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham, senators both, I believe. And, um, Instead of saying the word election, he says erection, and um, that went rather viral. Um, but that's par for the course for him. He's, you know, again, he's not rather intelligible, and it's very difficult to understand what he's saying. Um, another podcast referred to him as Mushmouth, I think, from um, what's the name of that show? It was the uh, the Cosby Kids, um, Fat Albert, Fat Albert, you know, Mushmouth, and that's how he sounds, and. So, you know, it begs the question, who wants someone like that to represent them, you know, at one of the highest um, offices, you know, you know, being a senator is no, you know, sweep under the rug. It's, it's a big deal. But of course, Republicans just want someone to, you know, cast votes. You know, they want someone who they can control and tell what to do because he doesn't know. He's, mm -mm, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's talking about. There was a, a clip of him also. It was a Warnock ad. He's talking about something to do with vampires or zombies or it was like so convoluted and it didn't make any sense. And so the clip runs, you know, the end in this little part and, and it's he sounds like a pastor almost or a preacher rather. He's like, stay with me. You know, like I'm going somewhere. It's like, no, no, we're not. We, we're not staying with you. We don't know what the ham fat you're talking about, buddy. It's kind of bad. Um, not kind of. It's really, really bad. But um, I think the election there, is it next week, the runoff election? Because now one of them reached the 50% threshold. So the runoff election is next week. Um, their early voting has already started. And I think they actually can vote. <laughs> they did were able to vote the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Remember we talked about that? That was some type of former holiday commemorating a um, Confederate uh, general. Was it Jackson? Um, Stonewall Jackson? I can't remember which one it was. But yeah, it was a hot mess, whatever it was. But um, anyway... Um, early voting has started and hopefully Warnock will come out um, successful and Herschel Walker will go back to wherever he's living because that's the other um, thing I saw um, on the news um, online yesterday that the home that he claims he's been living in in um, Georgia for the last 17 years, I guess he's actually been renting out or something like that. I saw that online. So allegedly, supposedly, purportedly, um, he's not even like a real 
resident of Georgia. He lives in some other state. You know, he's been renting out a house. Not like he owns it and he's been renting it to someone else, but he claims it as his address and therefore why he should, you know, run for Senate. It's just a whole bunch of, you know, to use a nice word, a whole bunch of hullabaloo. It's just a whole bunch of crap with him. Um, and Republicans really should be shamed. They should be shameful. They are not. But it, you know, this is like, don't, don't throw this guy up here. Like he's qualified, you know, please that's, it's insulting. So, um, I know that's not the Republican party at large, but that you got Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham, neither of whom are from Georgia, neither of whom are from Georgia, um, flanking him, you know, supporting him, throwing their support behind him. It's a mess. Um, speaking of, uh, trash Republicans, I know you've heard by now, Donald Trump threw his, um, hat back in the ring said he's running for president in 2024. Uh, no, no thanks. <laughs> the other interesting thing about uh, the Trump announcement is that it, um, you know, it also got caught up in the news cycle that Kanye West indicated that he was going to run for president also again in 2024. And um, I, they had a meeting recently, uh, sit down at um, Miralago, I think at Trump's uh, Florida residence and allegedly, supposedly, purportedly, Kanye has Trump to be his vice president. This is a hot mess. And with him was this um, right-wing uh, neo-Nazi conspirator. Um, what was the Yeah. Nick Fuentes, who is this um, white nationalist and anti-Semite. Um, that's how he's classified. Like, broadly, this is on NBC News. I'm reading this. Um this this article is so funny. This this particular line says, but Trump may have walked into a trap in Mayor Largo's gilded halls, one that leveraged his own penchant for spectacle and showmanship against him. Ye arrived with three guests, including white nationalist and anti-Semite Nick Fuentes. The, the catch is allegedly that Trump didn't know who Nick was. That's been the spin from his camp, that he didn't know who this guy was, and he didn't know that he was a white nationalist and anti-Semite. Even the guy, Nick himself, I don't know if he tweeted or uh you know, Instagrammed or what he posted somewhere that he wasn't sure that Trump knew that he was who he was. And so, um, you know, like that he didn't know his background. Um, but um, the other people in the um, club, you know, at Mayor Largo figured out who he was. And, you know, like it's, it's, it's a whole hot mess. So they're claiming that Trump who's a troll, got trolled. That's, you know, that's the spin, even in this um, NBC News um, uh, article. But it's a, you know, it's 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 just really stupid. Um, and of course, Kanye West, you know, purports that Trump was really impressed with Nick Fuentes. So whoop, there it is. But is anybody surprised? No. Raise your hand. Mm, can't see you, but no, yeah. No, no one's surprised. That Trump met with a you know white um, nationalist and anti-Semite when he himself acts like a white nationalist. Like, are you kidding me? Anyway, um, moving right along because nobody cares. <laughs> well, we care in as much as we kind of you know a lot of people in this country didn't think Trump had a chance to win um, back in uh, 2020, and then he turned around. I'm sorry, in 2016, and turned around and won. So. We should care. So we should care that much. We we didn't care and we should care that much. I don't think 
and again, I'm, you know, little armchair political pundit here on the vast podcast. I don't think Trump's um, support is as wide as it once was. Um, a lot of people, I think, have just kind of written him off. A lot of his his own supporters. I'm not talking about people who like me who just no, never in a million years going to support him. Not even going to pretend like we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. No, I remember when um, Dave Chappelle did that. He did the um, opening up. Uh, he opened up and hosted Saturday Night Live the Saturday after Trump won. Um, this is for one of my my listeners. Uh, she had uh, we had like a little offline conversation about um, Dave Chappelle. Chappelle because we're both fans. And I still think Dave Chappelle's a, a brilliant comedic genius. I really do. Um, not in that I'm a nutball. And then, so therefore I get to be called a genius, kind of like what we ascribe to Kanye West. But I do think that Dave Chappelle is a comedic genius, but I think he's taken some, he's gone down some avenues that he really needs to backtrack from, but he won't. And because nobody's really holding him accountable, largely, um, you know, enough. I think, you know, he just, he kind of runs with it. He's doubled down on it, but not recently to his um, defense, I suppose, not that he needs me to defend him. Um, he hasn't uh, doubled down on it, on it recently, but I remember when he hosted SNL the Saturday after Trump was elected, he said something along the lines in his opening monologue that he was going to like give him the benefit of the doubt. Like he, you know, the, um, the skits that night were about, you know, people feeling, you know, kind of depressed, like Democrats or whatever, kind of depressed that um, Trump had won. And Dave alluded to as much in his opening monologue. But I remember his words, not exactly, but, you know, something about, you know, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt or we'll see. You know, we'll see. We knew who he was when he came down the escalator talking about Mexico ascending, you know, rapists and criminals across the board and all that mess. And that was a big... Um, talking point throughout his presidency about, you know, this border and building the wall and all that other kind of stuff, you know, always when it was some, you know, big election coming up or there was some crisis at hand, you know, then he would try to deflect with, but the border, the wall, there's so many people and there are caravans and it was always that. And nobody, not enough people really saw through the smoke and mirrors, you know, at least through the smoke, can't see through mirrors, but not enough people really, you know, saw that for what it was, which was a major smokescreen. Anyway, nevertheless. Um, so again, taking Trump seriously, taking him with a grain of salt, I suppose. Like, you know, he's out there. He he misses the limelight, I'm sure. And, you know, misses the, the ability to be able to, you know, grift. You know, he was able to make a whole lot of money off the United States by, you know, putting up his putting up the Secret Service and things like that on his properties. You know, when he traveled to Miralago and had to bring Secret Service, you know, he charged the government. You know, um, double dipping stuff he's not supposed to do. Nobody said anything about that. You know, white Republicans, you know, sided with him because, again, they wanted somebody who would push the buttons. Also, they needed someone who would be able, you know, to go their way. And in a, a number of instances, he did. Trump did do, you know, fulfill a number of um, points on the Republican agenda, you know, specifically with appointments to the Supreme Court and the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Um, but, you know, some other things I'm sure he, you know, he bucked against the grain too, because he's Trump, you know, he doesn't want to feel like he's somebody's puppet, but anyway, so enough about him and Kanye and, um, the crazy Nick Fuentes guys, man, you know, this whole white nationalism is really, it's an, an anti-Semitism. It's, it's, it's a little bit, I don't want to say it's not chaotic. It is, but it's not, it's just that it's so common now. Like it's, we've been, I guess 
you know, fed it so often. It's almost like, oh, they're white nationalists, really? And they're having lunch with who? Oh, okay. You know, it's almost like, wow, it's not even a shock. It should be. It should disqualify people. Um, I'm talking about with regard to canceling, you know, being canceled. And I'm talking about Trump specifically, because um, I know cancel cu culture is kind of, it's problematic a little bit. Um, because as a Christian, right, you want to believe that people, you know, are worthy of second chances and all that other kind of stuff. But I know you, you got to show, you got to show yourself worthy. And I'm not saying to me, you know, like you ain't got to bow down to me, but I'm saying you got to be repentant, act like you're sorry for what you did. Dang. It's Kyrie, um, Kyrie Irving, basketball player, you know, he, um, he's returned to the NBA is my understanding. He's playing for the Brooklyn Nets again. Um, you know, his problem wasn't even so much what he said. I read this article. What's the guy's name? Um, oh, it's a think piece in the Washington Post, I believe. Damon Young, um, formerly of Very Smart Brothers, um, still a brilliant, that guy's a brilliant writer. Somebody put that, commented on his article uh, and said, like, bro, if I wrote like you, I'd write every day. I'm saying, like, seriously, he's brilliant. Um, but he said that, you know, um, Kyrie's problem wasn't necessarily that he, what really got him in deep, deep doo-doo wasn't that he posted or reposted the um, tag about the, from Hebrews to Negroes, uh, the film that's on um, Amazon, or, you know, so-called documentary. I'm not watching that. Anyway, it wasn't so much that he posted it or reposted it or whatever. It was that, you know, he doubled down on it. Okay, I got all these notifications coming through. I'm so sorry, y'all. I thought, I don't know what's going on. Um, again, it wasn't so much that he posted it or reposted it or whatever. Because that's what everybody's like, well, that wasn't an endorsement of it. Yes, it is. He got, what, 25 million followers or 18 million followers? Yes, it is. That's why, and, and Damon Young mentions this in his piece. He's like, that's why people like Kim Kardashian and other big time influencers get so much money because they have so many millions of followers. And so if they repost this product, you know, flat tummy, uh, one of my friends, we talk about that all the time. It's flat tummy tea. If they repost that, people are going to think it's an endorsement. And whoop, there it is. Even if it's not a blatant endorsement, because sometimes they will say, you know, hashtag ad in their post or whatever on social media. But if they just say, oh, look at this in my house, you know, I've got this and blah, blah, blah. People are going to go out and buy it. It's, it's a tacit endorsement. It is. It is what it is. But anyway, it wasn't even that. It was that he doubled down on it, you know. And probably Damien Young says this. He probably didn't even watch it. He probably didn't. I mean, because who is? Who's um, the the term that he used to describe him and people who have this thought? You know, that that line of thinking is unanchored. And I thought that was that's a really smart way of saying it. Like, you know, like you you went off to college that one year, you learned a little bit of something, and you came home, you start arguing with everybody because you thought you knew everything all of a sudden, right? Right. But, you know, because Kanye, sorry, not Kanye, Kyrie was also of this, you know, he's a flat earther at one point. I don't know if he still is, but yeah, he had espoused those beliefs also. The earth is flat. You hear my voice? I don't know why it's so scratchy. I had something warm to drink. You know, I had my coffee this morning. But yeah, he was also espousing that idea that the earth was flat. It's like, bruh, are you kidding me? I mean, that's, that's not even, you can't even argue that. It's not even arguable. It's not even up for debate. Are you, so what? And again, how is it that you, you alone amongst all of these other scientists and learned scholars and people who've done this research and all this other kind of stuff, and not even like regular Joes like me, but how is it that you know more than what they know? Really? Because you went down some rabbit hole. <laughs> Damien calls it a hairy rabbit hole. You went down some hairy ra rabbit hole on YouTube or you did some deep dive on Amazon and all of a sudden you're the expert unanchored. That, 
I put him in the same category with um, a lot of people who were into this whole anti-vaccination situation um, during the height of the pandemic. You know, all of a sudden the the vaccines were people were being injected with, you know, um, I don't know, home monitoring <laughs> devices. It was just I don't know. It just kind of got ridiculous. Um, and a lot of it was based off of misinformation. And, and you know, everybody was like, well, you can go and do your own, own research. No, you actually can't. You are not. Uh, um, you don't even <laughs> you don't have access to the level of research that these actual epidemiologists have access to. And I'm a college educated person and I don't understand a lot of the scientific writings from that particular community. I think you just at some point you you got to let the experts be the experts. But, you know, I speak as a teacher because everybody, you know, I'm always on my soapbox. Everybody thinks that they know how to be a teacher and know what's best for kids. Just because you've been around kids doesn't mean that you know how to teach kids. Just because you drive a car doesn't mean you know how to make one. Just because you live in a house doesn't mean that you know how to be a plumber. I mean, come on, let the experts be the experts. What's what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? I, the 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 thing is, people like to believe in conspiracy theories, and for certain segments of the population, I get that. I get that. I get why minorities. I get why black folk, brown folk, women, um, you know, um, tend to believe a lot of conspiracy theories. You know that the government is up to no good. That that's the belief. Because in some cases, um, you know, there have been nefarious plots afoot. There, there have been. I, I get that. You know, thinking back to the Tuskegee experiment and all that kind of negative stuff. Um, but you know, with regards to vaccinations, and I'm not, I don't want to jump down that rabbit hole. I'm backing up. But just briefly with re regards to vaccinations, I mean, I think by and large, you know, we we can accept that a lot of vaccinations have kept people from dying, and that was the whole point. I think people didn't get that. It's like the the vaccination wasn't going to keep you from getting the disease or getting the illness, um, but it would keep you from dying from it. Um, and unfortunately, um, back to Trump, you know, he bungled um, the the United States response to COVID nineteen, and we lost a million people um, as a re as a result of that. So, you know, Kyrie and folk like him who you know tend to think and you know along those terms, I just. It's kind of, like I said, it's a little bit problematic. Everybody, of course, is entitled to their own opinion. I'm not arguing that. That's that's neither here nor there. But I think there's some other areas where I'm not an expert, and I I can't do my research just by reading articles online. Not into what 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 the efficacy of a vaccine is. That's no. That's a different. That's a different story. Like I can do my research into you know my next topic. Um, so a Virginia, um, a former Virginia state trooper. Did you hear about this? Catfished a teenager in California. You can do research on that, right? You can look at different news websites and, and get information on that. So yeah, that's that's a, that's a rather easy read. But to say I'm going to do my research into the efficacy of vaccines, Dr. Who? Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, I digress. I know that's a hot topic or at least a topic that people, you know, tend to diverge in terms of their beliefs. But anyway, this next topic was really, really sad. Um, a, a former Virginia state trooper um, by the name of Austin Lee Edwards, a white dude, um, catfished a teenager online, pretended to be um, another teen, I suppose, got her um, home information, drove cross country, um, had established an online relationship with this teenager, a female, a girl, um, a young girl. Um, got her personal information, drove across the country um, to uh, California, I believe is where she lived, um, 
killed her grandparents, killed her mother, and set the house on fire to try to cover up the crime and then forced her into a car. Some of the neighbors, I suppose, um, saw uh, what happened or at least the aftermath of what happened. Um, saw her getting into the car unwillingly with this individual. Um, he was pursued by police and later shot and killed. But isn't that crazy? Um, and it apparently had passed them, you know, a law enforcement um, background check, psychological background check and all that kind of stuff. What's interesting, though, is that I haven't seen a whole, whole lot about that story. Like I've seen a couple of people reposted on Instagram, um, Sean King, Deal Hughley. But like I, I had to dig a little around a little bit for it. Not it, it just wasn't at the top. Um, you know, like when you you know, look at your curated um, list of news topics or whatever. It wasn't at the top. And I was like, I don't know what that says about us. Um, you know, as a country, I was listening to another podcast. You're talking about the number of mass shootings um, there have been uh, this year in the United States. Three, 600 was the number. And we're just at the end of November. Yikes. You know, so I don't know. Are we just so desensitized to this information? Um, is this another one of those situations where people are like, well, it's just one bad apple. Listen, it's a lot of bad apples out there. It's unfortunately, there's a lot of bad apples. And this one, it was absolutely rotten. <sighs> Speaking about people who need to do something else. You on Instagram? Listen. So I don't really watch a lot of reels because I'm not on TikTok. I end up watching a few, but I, I try not to watch too many because it's a, again, to quote Damian Young, it's a hairy rabbit hole. Because then, you know, the algorithm starts sending you the same kind of reels. It's like, I didn't mean to watch this as I'm tired of looking at. And one of the things I'm tired of looking at, as a matter of fact, a friend of mine just sent me a reel and was like, why? But wh you know, why? Why is the question? Why? It's these... um accounts that keep posting these people who are doing lashes that look like, I don't even know really how to accurately describe them. They're, they don't look natural at all. They, you know, those little dolls from back in the day, you know, when you uh, held them upright, their eyes would open. And then when you laid them down, their eyes would close. The lashes that were stuck on those dolls' eyes, they were really, really thick and they were very plasticky and nothing that you would see in real life. Lo and behold, decades later, that is what I keep seeing. Are you seeing this? On social media, it's gross because the people, you know, like the lash technicians, and I use that term very loosely, very loosely. The lash technicians are, you know, like showing off their work, but their clients' eyes look like they are suffering from the worst case of pink eye. Con is it conjunctivitis? Is that the technical term for it? The worst case of pink eye I've seen this, this side, both sides of the Mississippi, east and west. It's a whole hot mess. The lashes look horrible. Who wants all of that hanging from your eyelid, first of all? Secondly, what kind of products are they using to attach all of that monstrosity to your eye, you blink, you child, you're gonna be blind. That's it. It's like, you know, you're gonna run into, you know, Jesus, like, like Saul did on the road. Like, oh my God, uh, it's Jesus. Yeah, you just blind it. Boof, that's it. It, their eye, none of them, their eyes don't look healthy at all. And then the latest round that I've seen, uh, the latest round that I've seen is, uh, the eyes with stickers. It, I, <laughs> so I guess it's some type of 
some type of advertising. I saw it was like Thanksgiving. Some chick was in a chair and, you know, they were the camera was either going around her or they were rotating the chair. And she had Thanksgiving stickers on her eyes, on her face, rather, to show that these were, I guess, lashes done for Thanksgiving. The, the lady's eyes were all super pink. Look, they were a little bit moist and watery, you know, a little liquidy coming out on the sides. Like, ew. <laughs> I saw one, some lashes that was supposed to be for Halloween. I got to send it to my friend. Kim, girl, did you see the Halloween ones though? Some lady, she was like, this is what my client wanted. And it looked like some attempt at cobwebs, some kind of cotton or something in the eyelashes. Now y'all, you, and that's why I say, I use that term lash technician loosely. You know, good darn well, that's not healthy. You ain't supposed to have all that crap by somebody's eyes. And then the other one I've seen, the lady wanted pink eyelashes. You could just, there's pink mascara. You, whoop, there it is. Just, you can get some, you know, more natural, healthier looking eyelashes. Cause I'm not against false lashes. I, not at all. I'm not trying to, I hope I'm not putting that out there. No, I think, I, I think done well, they look good. And um, for a while I was getting um, the lash extensions because I like mascara and I like my lashes to look long and full and fluffy and all that kind of stuff. And I was getting lash extensions. I just, ran out of time. This is, you know, this is a timing issue. Um, but you know, you can, so she's the lady back to the, the last point. I digress real quickly, Donna. Um, the, the lady, she said her client wanted pink lashes and I was like, okay, but they look, her eyes matched. The, the lady's eyes matched the color of the lashes. Like they not all supposed to be pink y'all. Uh-uh. And some of the whites of her eyes were super pink and watery. Like, oh, these po folk gonna have all kind of eye infections. And then here's the other catch. Um, they're the people who the lash technicians again loosely used their their nails are like long as I don't know what. And maybe they, you know, benefit of the doubt. Maybe they put the nail extensions back on when they were showing the lashes you know, so that the nails didn't look all cruddy, but I don't want anybody with them old dagger nails to be doing my lashes. No. First of all, you're supposed to wear gloves, right? So what gloves are you putting on? You're going to impale the gloves every time you put them on. Those long nails. I don't understand um, makeup artists too, who have super duper long nails. Like why you got claws next to my face like that? Mm-mm, mm-mm. That's, that's just, that's not sanitary to me. That's just gross. Uh-uh, don't you scratching me up. Um, speaking of, <laughs> you like my little transitions into each of my other topics. Speaking of makeup and fashion, this Balenciaga hot mess. <laughs> Listen, I don't have any Balenciaga. I can't afford Balenciaga. And I guess I didn't realize they had done a collaboration with Adidas. Now I do have a couple pieces of Adidas. Hmm. I'm gonna have to look out for that. But anyway, um, yeah. So the latest uh, hot mess with them. Um, so there, I guess it's, was it their spring ad? Um, I read this on, on a number of places, first of all. And then I think, um, unfortunately, I got to mention him again. Brother Kanye West mentioned something about it too. Like, you notice that a lot of celebs came out, you know, and said anything. That's because they being controlled. They, they being controlled. But Kanye, did you actually say that it was bad? Like when you said that nobody else said anything, did you yourself say that it was, that, that the advertising, the campaign was bad? I mean, I don't know. You criticizing other people for not saying anything, but did you, but did you actually?
actually say something is my point. I don't know. I didn't look it up. <clears throat> Maybe I should go look it up. I'm not. Um, so anyway, I'm reading this on the cut. Earlier this month, Balenciaga dropped its holiday ad featuring children holding teddy bears in bondage harnesses and costumes. The BDSM accessories were also on the runway at Balenciaga's show at Paris Fashion Week. The backlash against the images have been swift, has been swift, with the hashtag cancel Balenciaga trending across Twitter and TikTok, and many accusing the brand and its creative director, D Demna, of condoning pedophilia and child exploitation. In a separate ad that dropped on November 21st, promoting Balenciaga's spring-summer 2023 collection, a bag from the fashion house's collaboration with Adidas was photographed atop copies of what appeared to be documents from the Supreme Court case, United States versus Williams, a, a ruling that upheld the PROTECT Act, which increased federal protections against child pornography. Both campaigns quickly became a conservative talking point and sparked conspiracy theories. So the latest that I've heard about this is that, um, first of all, Balenciaga's response to it has been a little bit wild to me in, in as much as they um, released a statement, um, you know, I guess apologizing and saying, you know, they cared about, you know, kids or whatever. But on November 25th, they, Balenciaga, filed a $25 million lawsuit against North Six and set designer Nicholas Desjardins, I'm sure he's French, over the controversial ad campaign featuring the court documents, which was separate from the imagery um, featuring the teddy bears. The suit claims, still reading on the cut, that the defendants in included the Williams documents without, Balenci quote, Balenciaga's knowledge or authorization, end quote. And it goes on to say that as a result, of, quote, defendants' misconduct, members of the public, including the news media, have falsely and horrifically associated Balenciaga with repulsive and deeply disturbing, with the repulsive and deeply disturbing subject of the court decision. Um, so it's like, they are, I don't know, it's just, it's weird, um, because it's like we 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 would in their statement they said that Balenciaga we would like to address the controversy surrounding our recent ad campaigns. We strongly condemn child abuse. It was never our intent to include it in our narrative. The two separate ad campaigns in question reflect a series of grievous um, errors for which Balenciaga takes responsibility. The first campaign, the gift collection, featured children with plush teddy bear. Or, teddy bear bags dressed in what some may have labeled BDSM inspired outfits or plush bear bags in the gift collection should not have been featured with children. This was a wrong choice by Balenciaga combined with our failure in assessing and validating images. The responsibility for this lies with Balenciaga alone, but they're talking about the second ad with the court documents. Um, they're holding someone else accountable for that, or they're trying to, which is why they filed this $25 million um, lawsuit against um, this uh, particular individual, um, the set designer and North Six, which I guess is the uh, the company that uh, was responsible for the ad, um, you know, uh, pulling, it, pulling it together for Balenciaga. Listen, the whole thing is nutty as a fruitcake. Isn't it crazy? Balenciaga is weird anyway. Like they're what they call fashion and stuff like that, I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm just too old um, and also probably too poor. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't get some of their uh, line, you know, some of the pieces that they put out that they call fashion or whatever. I just posted this picture. <laughs> I can't remember who the um, the guy is in it. You know, speaking of fashion that I don't understand, um, who is this dude? Um, uh, Rich the Kid, he had on some, um, 
I don't know who these fur boots are by, but he looks like Chewbacca. So I posted it on my Instagram page. I think I put it in my stories too. He, he looks like, I mean, the, the boots go all the way up to his hips. It's not Balenciaga, but the boots go all the way um, practically up to his hips. And they look like, like if he tries to walk in them, it looks like he'll fall over. They He looks like, it's like the bottom of Chewbacca's car, um, costume. I am not exaggerating. So I put that in the line of, I don't understand fashion sometimes. I guess I'm too old at this point, but it's funny to me how um, Balenciaga is trying to, you know, distance itself from the second um, campaign or whatever. Like we take full responsibility for the first one. That one shouldn't have involved children. Um, that was an error on our part. Uh, really an unforced error. What the heck were you thinking? Not. And as people always point out, there's so many eyes on these types of things. It's not like one person is responsible for this and then it gets pushed into the mainstream or it gets published or it gets a green light. There's a lot of steps before, you know, in between um, the actual set design, um, getting the models in and people taking the pictures the day of the photo shoots. There's a lot of things that go in to, hey, I watched the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> <laughs> the conceptual the conceptualization of these advertisements. I mean, there's a lot of people who have eyes on that part too before it even gets to the hiring of models, the set design, and then which pictures get okayed and approved, and then which ones get published. How is it that y'all failed at all of those levels? You failed, firmly failed, unforced error. Um, and then, you know, the, the second part of it, like I said, with the $25 million lawsuit, good luck. But I will say this, it has been rather quiet. A um, couple crickets out there, several crickets have taken up, you know, a chorus. Um, we ain't heard a lot. I think Kim Kardashian did release um, a statement um, after Kanye had said that a lot of people were still quiet. And then his ex-girlfriend, I can't think of what her name was, the chick that he dated right after um, him and Kim broke up. I, I can't remember her name because I don't know who she was. But um, she released some type of statement to, you know, calling the the advertisement, you know, like really grosser. That's not her exact words, but, you know, like, you know, saying, you know, like the use of children and the BDSM, you know, imagery and all that kind of stuff is totally inappropriate and is, but moving on. Um, speaking of Twitter, <laughs> I got to stop this, right? <laughs> My segues are all like so corny. But speaking of Twitter, still a hot mess. Yeah. Still a hot mess. Um, a lot of a lot more celebrities have jumped ship. Um, the last I had heard was, um, you know, that he had given uh, a lot of the people who are still working there had given them some sort of deadline. Um, I think right before Thanksgiving, as a matter of fact, maybe the week before Thanksgiving, giving them some type of deadline. You know, saying, "Listen, we got to put you know, uh, pedal to the metal or whatever the euphemisms are. You know, we're gonna have to work and grind really, really hard and." Um, you know, I'm going to need all hands on deck and all of those, you know, like, you know, cause, cause we need everybody to do, you know, like 15 people's job because I fired, you know, what a third of the workforce. I don't know. I don't know the exact percentage. Um, but yeah, like, you know, and so a lot of people were like waiting until that three o'clock or five o'clock deadline. I was like, um, after much prayerful consideration as me fake typing after much prayerful consideration. No, I'll take the buyout and severance, whatever. Good luck. God bless. It's a hot mess. Um, I mean, so really, he's really showing his tail. Like, what kind of savvy business, you know, mogul are you? Really? You know, again, you know, folk like to, you know, point to people like him. And I'll include Trump again. You know, these savvy businessmen. Listen, their dads were rich. That's that's starting out with millions of dollars is not building yourself from the ground up that, you know, pulling yourself by your own, pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's not, you don't get bootstrapped with millions of dollars. That's not how that works. 
And clearly, he don't know what the hand fat he was doing. He's running Twitter into the ground. How much did he pay for it? $44 billion? 40 something. Some extra. Was it billion? Am I making that up? I think I made that, made that number up. Wait, wait, hold on. How much did he pay for Twitter? Nope, I didn't make that up. $44 billion. That's how much he paid to acquire Twitter. Um, an amount that he admitted, allegedly on November 1st, is obviously overpaying for the company. Um, and then he also lined up, it says that a substantial amount of, I'm reading this online, CNN, a su substantial amount of debt financing to pay for the deal. And and now you're running it into the ground. So you're not trying to get none of your money. I mean, I, listen, I don't know. Good luck. Um, whatever. Rich people's problems. Um, <laughs> finally, 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 I want to talk um, a little bit about Wakanda Forever. I know you've seen it by now. One of my colleagues, I saw she took her family um, to go see it um, over the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, and I, I asked... Uh, uh, she said she enjoyed it. Her daughter um, says she enjoyed it. Um, did you see it? Come on now. I know you've seen it by now. Looking for my notes. I really want to go see it again. I just got to carve out, what, three hours? Like a church service. <laughs> a black church service, not a white church service. Because white folk be in and out like, hallelujah, amen, and we're out. I don't blame you. Um, black folk church service. Especially back in the day when I went, uh, was growing up. Pentecostal service. Man. God, we were held hostage. I'm going to talk about that and definitely write that down. Pentecostal services as a child. Yeah, I think I told you I grew up Kojic. That acronym is for Church of God in Christ. It's a Pentecostal denomination. I think it's the largest one, uh, especially at least in the United States, largest Pentecostal, uh, African-American Pentecostal denomination in the United States. Um C-O-G-I-C. For those of you who may not um, know that acronym, um, I don't want to take for granted that everybody does. So when I say Kojic, that's what I'm talking about. Church of God in Christ. That's what I, that's how I grew up. I don't attend a Kojic church um, anymore, but um, I, I was rooted and grounded in it and I'm grateful for it. But Kojic services were super duper long. My God. And a lot of them, I think, still are. Unfortunately, too bad. Y'all got to get up out of there. It's too much. Y'all doing too much. Folk get nervous, hungry. <laughs> Speaking of which, I saw this clip again. Another friend had sent me, and I, I saw it too. Some preacher, I guess he was walking, and he was saying, "Y'all feed the baby some applesauce." A baby was crying, like in the background. Feed the baby some applesauce. I don't, I don't want to hear all that that noise. That crying baby, you know, I get distracted when I'm trying to preach. Like, bro, I'm hungry too. Send me some applesauce. <laughs> Send me some applesauce. Wakanda forever. It's a long movie, but really, really, really good. I like the new villain. I was having a conversation about him. Um, Namor. Um, Cena more without love, you know that was that was how he got um, his his name. Um, I, I like him in terms of he has a cool backstory. Like you know, it's not like just he ha ha ha. I'm evil incarnate. Yeah, like no, um, you know his whole purpose for existence. Uh, uh, spoilers ahead if you haven't seen it, you might want to cut off the podcast at this point. But his whole purpose for existence, not for, for existence, but his whole purpose and being the bad guy here though is protection. Um, his uh, civilization has um, uh, vibranium um, underneath the um, ocean. They live under the ocean. And, um, you know, they're trying to protect it from white folk, right? Colonizers who are trying to access it um, for probably dubious um, uh, reasons. Um, remember, um, is it Ramonda? Ramonda, the, um, the queen. Um, you know, the opening scenes where she's like bossed up, you know, like uh, these are the people that are trying to steal from us. 
um, she's at that like UN meeting, I think, because they've been asked, you know, like, um, why aren't they uh, sharing, uh, you know, their deposits of, um, of vibranium, uh, Queen Ramonda. And she's like, um, cause it's ours and y'all ain't, y'all up to no good. And we ain't about to do all that. Cause mm -mm, that, that whole colonization stuff, we done with that carving up Africa and taking um, all of its natural resources. Yeah, that, that, period and that, that's real y'all that did happen um we that's that period is over we are self-sufficient thank you very much if we want to share with you we would have shared by now and y'all got um i think it was the french i think um who were uh, sending in spies trying to steal from them um uh, from one of their labs uh and uh the the women who were um, actually working at the lab were um the kingdom guard and so they started kicking their butt and it was good um Good, good, good. But that's anyway, that's how the that's what the villain's um, motivation is, too, is the protection of his people um, and their um, deposits of vibranium. Um, and again, it's the exploitation of indigenous cultures. You know, it's a running theme here, um, which is true to real life. It's historically accurate. Um, another big theme, of course, in this movie is death and mourning. That's how it starts out um, with the funeral of T'Challa, of course. Um, who was famously played by actor Chadwick Boseman, who also um, died, was back in 2020, um, graduate of Howard University. And I think his birthday was yesterday too, um, November 29th. Um, you know, happy birthday in heaven, rest in peace and rest in power and all that kind of fun stuff. But the, um, I was gonna say the funeral opens. The movie opens with his funeral. Um, and so we, you've actually seen clips of that. If you haven't seen the movie, sorry. But if you, um, the first trailers, that's what those were. It was um, dances and movements from um, his like uh, processional, like the um, funeral processional. What do they call that that line in um, New Orleans? The jazz line, um, you know, when the, the instrumentalists are playing the um, instruments and the funeral party is like, you know, um, marching through or uh, walking through the city, through the neighborhood. Um, I forgot what they call that line. It's a something line. Um, but it kind of reminded me of that, but a little bit more somber um, or a lot more somber. Um, there's this that one scene, you know, at the very beginning, you know, after the funeral. Um, and then they show all of these um, quick pics of Chadwick Boseman. And it is like deathly silent in the movie theater. And it was packed when we went to go see it. It was so quiet. Um, it was like, whoa. Um, it was it was funny because um, I think my daughter had asked for some water or something, and so my husband had left out. The credits were uh, ending, and uh, he thought he would be back in time to see the beginning of the movie, and so he missed a couple of moments. But he came right back in right when they're going through all of those little uh, quick pictures of Chadwick Boseman, and so there were a couple people who were also entering the theater at that time. So everybody's like looking at the screen, and we were all riveted. It is so quiet. Like I got really really sad. Um, and I also cried at the, the end of the movie when, um, again, spoiler alert, um, it's revealed that um, he had a son um, with, uh, that he had a son with um, Nakia. When Shuri um, goes to, is she in Haiti, I think? She goes to Haiti um, to burn her um, funeral uh, garb, her funeral outfit, and um, Nakia is there and um, she introduces her uh she Nakia introduces Shuri to who is her nephew um uh her son with um T'Challa that's that part was first of all, I was already crying because um Shuri was on the beach you know reflective and finally you know like emoting um 
she really didn't have a chance in much of the rest of the movie. You know, she's trying to find that um, young uh, scientist, um, STEM student, um, you know, keep her uh, safe because she had built um, or she had come up with the the mechanism to build the um, vibranium finder. But one of the things that wasn't fleshed all the way out in the movie, which I guess they may be leaving for um, a follow-up movie, was that she said she had, you know, come up with the um, the mechanism, but it was her professor, I think, that had actually, um, I want to say weaponized it or probably sold it to the U.S. government who was using it to find the vibranium. Um, but yeah, so I was, and you know, when I was... Um, you know, recapping the movie um, and talking about it with someone else, I was saying, yeah, she wasn't the one who, you know, made the weapon and then sold it to the government and then put it, you know, out there in the ocean where they were using it, you know, to detect the vibranium. It was like, she said that she had come up with a design for it, but it was her professor who I don't remember seeing in the movie. Like I said, I need to see it again. Um, but yeah, uh, the death and mourning, uh, definitely strong themes there. Almost, almost overwhelming, almost overwhelming, but but I think appropriately so. I mean, when you lose the major character, you know, the title character of the movie, when you lose them in such a way, how do you write around that? Um, and Ryan Coogler did a really good job, I think, writing and directing this. Um, how you, I don't think you write around it. And I might be quoting someone here. I think you just write through it. You you deal with it head on. Um, I, I liken it to people who um, you know have lost their um, family members and loved ones? Um, you know they say that the grief changes shape and it changes form, but it never goes away. And so um, it's probably not a healthy thing to try to ignore it. The best thing is to is to deal with it in whatever shape, form, or fashion that it presents itself from day to day, from hour to hour. Um, and I don't mean to be light um, with this, but like I have a couple of friends. Um, who um, who have lost their parents, um, and in some cases they've lost both parents. Um, and I, because I still have both of my parents, I I can't relate to that. I don't know, um, you know, what that's like not to have that those parental units, you know, as part of your life, even as an adult. And so the way that they deal with grief, especially around the holidays, and you know, this was the Thanksgiving season, and now we're going into the Christmas season. You know, it's got to be incredibly difficult because those are places that you likely gathered, right? Um, particularly as a child, but also as an adult. You know, we went over to my grandmother's house all all the holidays, um, and when she passed, you know, th that went away. You know, that gathering over at you know grandma's house um, that went away, and and it's different. It does. The holidays are very very different. Um, and I'm speaking as a, you know, a person who lost their grandparent, not as a person who's lost their um, adult, you know, their parents. So I can't imagine what the grief, what shapes the grief take. Um, and, and not just around the holidays, obviously, but the holidays probably magnify it because those are times when you definitely get together with your parents. If, if you don't see them all the time, if you live out of town away from them, then those are the times when you go back and, you know, get up under them and help cook and all that other kind of fun stuff. So, you know, for Ryan Coogler and the rest of the cast of um, Black Panther, um, and I hope I'm not being, you know, I'm not trying to, I hope I'm not offending anybody by, you know, likening the, the grief there, but I don't think it would be, would have been a smart thing for them to try to, you know, ignore, you know, his impact, um, his, meaning Chadwick Boseman's, because when he died, it was a big deal. People were shocked. No one knew that he had been, um, you know, battling cancer. And um, and, it, and it was a he was a young man, relatively um, young. Man. You know, everybody in their 40s is young to me. Um, he was a relatively young man. And so to, you know, like to write around it, I don't think would have been the proper tone to take. 
Um, because again, they were they were all really good friends too. You know, it made this blockbuster movie together, and you know that's and the, you know when you when you I've never been on a movie set, but when you're filming a movie set, you're with these people like all the time for however long you know it takes for you know you to film your scenes. But you're committed, you know, possibly for definitely for weeks and possibly for months on end. You're seeing these people day in day out. And so, you know, they they become family to you. And of course, you know, as popular as the Black Panther, the first movie was, you know, this was a franchise and as popular as this character was too in the other um, Avengers movies, you know, they were probably pretty close and talked quite often. So yeah, I thought it was um, a smart thing to write through that grief, meaning, you know, to incorporate it um, in the movie. Um, Shuri definitely struggled with it. Then of course she lost her mom. Queen um, Ramonda died, and I was like, I wasn't expecting that. I I didn't read any spoilers before um, I went to go see the movie, and so when I saw that she had died, I was huh? wait, wait, wait. I just knew she was coming back to life, but OMG, like y'all took Shuri through some stuff, and the actress Leticia Wright, she did good. Um, she did good in her um, portrayal. I know she had you know had her little moment a couple years ago in the middle middle of the pandemic. Uh, with the whole anti-vaccine thing, but you know, um, and of course she becomes the new um, Black Panther. Um, not surprising because I think that uh, is pretty close to um, the comic book um, lore, you know, canon. I think that 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 that's what happens in the um, comic book as well. Um, I thought that was that's another big theme of the movie. It's women in charge. You know, sure. Well, her mom, Queen Ramonda. I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing her name. Um, then Shuri, of course all of the um, Dora Milaje, um, Okoye, of course, um, even um, uh, what's the little um, scientist name, the little college student, Riri, I think is her name. Um, the new um, Dora, uh, Dora Milaje, um, Michaela Cole, um, she's in there. Her name is uh, Anika or Aneka. Um, just, you know, women, you know, really um, their roles are very important um, in this movie. And I, I, I like that, of course. Um, I think that's pretty cool um, from the onset, you know, of the movie, the, from the beginning to the end. It's, you know, it's, it's very uh, women centered, um, driven, uh, you know, though, in terms of Wakanda, you know, it's driven um, by women. I thought um, the argument when, um, they kind of like uh, put uh, Okoye out, deny Guerrera. Oh my God, I love her. Oh, I love her. I love her. I love her. I really do. I didn't watch The Walking Dead. I know that um, that was like um, one of her big breakout roles too. Um, but when she gets put out, uh, it's like when she has that um, argument with Queen, Queen Ramonda and Ramonda, and she's like, you know, haven't I given up enough? And Queen Ramonda's like, hold, hold my spirit for a second. Let me tell you what I've given up. Let me tell you what I've lost. I've lost my husband. I've lost my child. And when, um, what's his name? Uh, what's the other dude's name? Um, Michael B. Jordan. When he was, um, that's not his character's name, but when Michael B. Jordan came up in here and he became the king and y'all stayed loyal to him and he killed my son and threw him over the side of the waterfall. Don't go. Sorry. Um, where was you at then, sis? Oh, you was loyal. So gone get. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Now that was a little, that was a little good, little dramatic moment right there for Sister Angela Bassett, for Queen Angela Bassett. Um, that was a cool moment. Lots and lots and lots of cool moment. The uh, the costume again, beautiful uh, stuff there. Um, all of the action, beautiful, beautiful stuff. 
Um, like I said, there were a couple um, plot lines that got a little bit. Um, I don't. I don't want to say lost, but I think they they were just um, left threaded out because probably they're going to be included in um, the uh, um, in the next uh, um, installment of the in the Black Panther series. This one's this one's called Wakanda Forever. So I wonder what. Um, the next one is going to be called. Plus, again, you know, we've got a whole heir, male heir. Um, he's got a kid. Um, there, there, whoop, there he is. I'm, I know I'm missing um, some big things um, here. I, I just, I, I'm gushing over it. It's like I've got nothing but praise for it. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, um, like I said, very well written. I like that the theme, um, the dealing with the mourning and the death, um, dealing with that, um, you know. And, and also because I think that's very realistic. And again, like speaking as someone who hasn't lost, um, you know, a, a parent, but, you know, that being angry, you know, dealing with, you know, those um, stages of grief, um, I think they recycle themselves, right? It's not like you go from one stage to the next and you never go back. Sometimes you do, you know, some sometimes you, you, you do, you know, the denial and the withdrawal and, you know, the anger, um, you know, why am I left here? I remember... Um, Bishop Jakes preached about this years ago when he talked about how he lost his mom and, um, you know, he, you know, he was angry with God for a minute. Like, dude, I'm, you know, I'm Bishop Jakes. I'm doing all these big things in your name and, you know, signs and wonders. And I ask you for one thing to heal my mom and you didn't. What's up with that? And he was preaching and he mentioned how he had seen an older woman at the airport who looked to be about the age of his mother. And she was on a cane and he said he felt angry, you know, like he, he, you know, he almost wanted to kick that cane from under that um, old woman because he was like, well, how, why does she get to live and my mom not, you know? And so that there you go, you know, a big spiritual giant in the word, you know, such as a Bishop T.D. Jakes, you know, if they can feel anger is surely as mere mortals. And I don't I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, not at all, because I'm I'm an online member of the Potter's House. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, but surely, you know, someone who is deep, you know, like that has a deep spiritual connection. You got to imagine he does. Right. To the Lord, knows the Lord, you know, his nickname, holding his bathroom keys and all that kind of stuff. And again, I don't, I mean this in a joking manner. I don't mean in a derogatory fashion at all. I love me some Bishop Jakes. I watched the Potter's House. Matter of fact, I got to catch up on um, his daughter's, uh, Sarah. She preached there Sunday and I, I got to catch up on her message. Um, I've seen, I haven't watched the entire thing. I saw, I saw a piece of, but anyway, you know, how he dealt with his own grief. I think, you know, um, it's kind of like the stages that Shuri goes through. Plus, you know, she ends up getting kidnapped um, by Namor. And, um, you know, he treats her like the princess that she is, gives her a nice outfit, you know, put her on the robe. Um, <laughs> that's an old whining song. But yeah, takes her down downtown, down to the underwater world. And, you know, you know, shows her like, sis, this is what I'm protecting down here. Um, then of course it gets kind of messed up because, um, Nakia comes to rescue her and I think, uh, some women get killed in the process, you know, who were supposed to be, um, watching Riri, the little scientists, they get killed. And so when they get rescued, then the more is like, see, y'all was trying to distract me and then this is what had happened. So we're going to come back and get y'all. But, um, you know, the, the bad guy lives, he, they don't, she doesn't kill him in the end. Um, she shows him grace, um, and mercy. And she doesn't kill him. But, you know, at the very end, but she had clipped one of his um, wings, tore that bad boy out. Right. But, you know, his his ankle, his ankle has a, a ace bandage on it <laughs> at the end of the movie. And he's painting, um, you know, on the wall, um, a, you know, and there's an image of her, of uh, Shuri there, um, I believe. And so, you know, that's all coming back. 
um, in the next go round because, you know, they didn't end him like they did Thanos. Anyway, I loved it. I want to go see it again. Um, like I said, I need to carve out about three hours. I'll be on a winter break in a few weeks. So I um, want to go see it again. Tell me how you feel about it. Did you like Wakanda Forever? Let me know. So I hadn't quite finished editing this episode of the podcast and um, the evening in the morning or the next day. <laughs> and I came across some information on my phone, timeline, whatever, you know, the news. Lord, Kanye West is back in the news again for more anti-Semitic statements. Um, in this particular instance, you know, he, you know, praised Hitler. You know, the Nazis weren't all that bad. And I like Hitler. It literally were his comments on Alex Jones's um, info info wars. You know, Alex, you know, Alex Jones is the guy that was sued successfully by the parents of those massacred at um, Sandy Hook, the elementary school. And so he's, um, the judgment against him is up to like $1.4 billion or the soon to be bankrupt, um, perhaps, who knows, um, InfoWars conspiracy theorist, um, Alec Jones. And here's the thing, Alex rather, Alex Jones. Here's the thing, when you look at the clips, even Alex Jones is uncomfortable. Like he's a conspiracy. <laughs> theorist. I mean, one who like doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on his statements for years and years and years and years and years. Um, and so he's like finally been held accountable in a court of law. And here's Kanye West um, making that dude uncomfortable. Like, wow. So I was kind of torn about whether or not I wanted to add it to the podcast, because like I said, I hadn't finished um, editing it anyway in the evening and the morning or the next day. And I recorded it, um, recorded the initial part of this podcast on uh, November 30th, which was my daughter Delaney's birthday. Happy birthday, Delaney. Um, and 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 I kind of, I'm just torn probably like a lot of people are. It's like, at what point do we really stop giving Kanye West a platform? But here's the thing. It's not like, you know, he's coming on my show, not. But people on the um, right and the left, you know, people who espouse different types of ideologies have been giving him an opportunity to, um, you know, talk and run amok and whether or not it's mental illness, um, whether or not he's in control of his, you know, mind, you know, fully in control of his mind. It's a sad, sad day. Um, I mean, he is ruining his his own legacy and also having a definite um, negative impact on his kids, I think, even if I'm not talking about on them financially, but just, you know, emotionally, psychologically, and I would even argue spiritually. Um, I also feel bad. And I, I don't want to gloat in it. And, as, and I got to, you know, I got to pull out my Christian head here. But I kind of feel bad, too, for the people who really thought when he did that Sunday service um, situation that, you know, he was turning a new leaf, turning over a new leaf. And, you know, he had found God and things like that. But, you know, you got to you got to see, you got to really listen to folk, you know, just because they put out, you know, some churchy music doesn't mean that they necessarily know the Lord. You got to be careful of the the type of um, ideology and doctrine that they um, espouse. You just, just got to be careful. But anyway, so anyway, rather, um, that's kind of where I am with that. I, I know I keep talking about Kanye West and it's like, I don't want to talk about him, but yet I do because it keeps making the news, right? And bruh. anyway, um, trying to end the podcast on a more positive note. Um, I came across this um, post um, by a Therapy for Black Girls Um uh, it's a it's a um, Instagram site uh, Instagram account that I follow. Um, a, two posts actually. One of them, which I thought was really relevant, was the lessons on grief that we can learn from Black Panther. Um, Wakanda forever. Grief has the ability to impact us all. It is a universal experience, and no one is immune. We all process grief differently. Grief can come in many ways, not just physical de death. 
and grief can introduce us to new things. But another thing um, that they posted, and again, in an attempt to end the podcast on a much lighter note, um, uh, can you name one experience that truly brought you joy this year? So as we're wrapping up the year, I can't believe it is December 1st already. Um, one experience that truly brought you joy this year, um, definitely um, starting my podcast. I remember when it uh, when I finished recording and um, when it posted, um, you know, when it was uploaded and on the the first place that I saw it live was um, on Apple Podcasts. I was so excited. It was like the middle of the night. I wanted to wake up my family, um, you know, to, you know, join in with my excitement and my joy. But they were, you know, really, really sleeping. Like I said, it was old dark night. But honestly, I'm starting this podcast and continuing it um, on a kind of a weekly basis. I know I got to get a little bit better with that, but that has definitely brought a whole lot of joy to my life. I have enjoyed talking about these topics and having um, you weigh in um, at various and sundry points and let me know what you think about it. So I hope that I continue to entertain you and educate you and make you laugh at least. Um, then I've done a little bit of something Right. And um, as I um, wrap up this episode, why don't you think about that for a second? Um, can you name um, an experience that truly brought you joy uh, this year? I hope you've got many, many um, experiences that you can reflect on. And while you're doing your reflecting, um, stay classy. And thanks for stopping by. <laughs>